Welcome to another episode of Exploring Boys Education, a regular podcast produced by the International Boys Schools Coalition, in which we explore the world of boys education. I'm Bruce Collins. In this episode, we speak with Headmaster Ross Featherston and Dr. Ray Swan, both from Brighton Grammar School in Australia, about the important topic of masculinity. Ross and Ray share about how they have taken a research-based approach to operationalizing positive masculinity and share their experience in this regard by way of advice for boys' schools around the world. Before we dive into this important conversation, however, I'm joined again by my colleague Amy Ahart for the IBSC Newsreel. Thanks, Amy, for joining me. Thank you, Bruce, and hello, listeners. We are excited to share that we have three online classes starting on July 12th. Responsible sexual citizenship in today's world, the challenges facing boys, single gender education, a course for teachers new to boys schools, and the tech solution, creating healthy habits for boys growing up in a digital world. Visit the IBSC website for more information and to register for these professional development opportunities. I'd also like to highlight that in April, the IBSC Task Force on Recognizing, Acknowledging, and Addressing Inequities in the Lives of Young Men of Color hosted the IBSC Virtual Global Forum on Racial Equity in Boys' Education. More than 75 boys from IBSC member schools worldwide engaged in frank conversations about identity, the role of education in a diverse world in which values are increasingly tested and contested and next steps towards greater racial equity in boys' education. As a community, we celebrate the essential work of these thought leaders. We especially thank Task Force Chair Jack Pinnell and the entire task force for leading the charge and sharing more about this vital effort during the IBSC virtual conference. In the latest issue of The Compass, you can read more about the conference as experienced by students at St. Mark's School of Texas in the United States. Such important work for sure, Amy, and I agree. It was wonderful to hear feedback from the task force recently. We also trust that boys' schools everywhere will continue to engage their students in these important conversations. Another important area of focus for boys' schools is masculinity, and I know many IBSC schools are wrestling with how best to approach this conversation. A number of our podcasts this season have highlighted this issue And in this episode, we gain some insight into the practicalities of operationalizing positive masculinity in boys' schools. It's wonderful today to be joined um, from Brighton Grammar School in Melbourne by Headmaster Ross Featherston and Dr. Ray Swan, who heads up Brighton Grammar School's Crowther Center. Um, I'm talking to them today because I read a fascinating article of which... um, Amongst others, they were co-authors called Operationalizing Positive Masculinity, a theoretical synthesis and school-based framework to engage boys and young men. And it really resonated with me. Um, and so I'm grateful to both of you for, for joining me for this conversation. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having us, Bruce. Pleasure to be here. By way of introduction, before we focus on today's topic of positive masculinity in boys' schools, uh, Ross, as head of Brighton Grammar School, I'd love for you to share a little bit about the school you lead. Thanks, Bruce, and thanks for having us on. It's uh, it's great to talk to our IBSC uh, colleagues out there. So Brighton Grammar, we're a, an Anglican boys' school located in uh, Melbourne, Victoria, Australia, where we're situated in a very nice part of Melbourne, Bayside, Melbourne. 
Um, we're an Anglican school, as I mentioned. We're a, we're an ELC kindergarten through to year twelve school. So we've got about fourteen hundred and fifty boys from three year old all the way through to eighteen year old. Um, we're a traditional school in the sense that we we're founded in eighteen eighty two. So we're hundred come out to our hundred fortieth year soon. Um, but I'm sure you'll ask Ray in a minute. But we're doing some some I think some contemporary things around. Uh, educating our boys, not only from an academic perspective and doing all the things that our schools do, but but from a sort of a heart and soul and character perspective. Um, so, you know, so that's us. Uh, that really resonates with me. I love this idea of marrying tradition with with cutting edge innovation in education. And, and I think that's probably where, Ray, you come in because you lead the Crowther Center, which uh, I went onto the website of the Crowther Center, and it's positioned as the engine that powers BGS, <laughs> and and I love the way I love the way that has been put. But maybe you can share a little bit about your work and and the purpose of that research center. Yeah, for sure. So, um, look, firstly, thanks thanks for the opportunity to chat. It's um, pleasure to be here. The work um, that we do in the Crowther Center, as you already pointed out, it is uh, I guess the engine that powers the school, powers the thinking around the school. I guess like a lot of Educational institutions, you know, we've been um, really fascinated by the progress in educational research, um, you know, over the last sort of 10, 15 years in particular, and how we're seeing more you know, of an interplay between educational psychology, social science research, scientific research, and so on, and what that might mean for us as a school. And, and probably about five or six years ago, we made a strategic decision that we wanted to really amplify um, the role of the Crowder Centre in the school, and that was to essentially improve the quality of the decisions and the decision-making um, that we had. So we, want, we wanted everything to kind of run through this lens of research, if you like. But, of course, as, as I'm sure you, Bruce, and, and the listeners would, would appreciate, um, sometimes it can feel like a massive uh, anchor, you know. It really slows things down and it, it doesn't, you know, create innovation. So we took it upon ourselves to look at what other industries um, have uh, a really useful process around using evidence, if you like. And, uh, you know, we looked at medicine. I was fortunate uh, as part of my postgraduate studies to do work in medical education. And as part of that, uh, I was introduced to a whole way of thinking around, you know, evidence model um, and using different domains within that model. And we've been able to apply that, I think, reasonably successfully at the school. And and in more recent times, um, you know, we've been sharing that work more broadly, so moving out of just, you know, I guess the work that we do at the school, but also consulting with other schools. Uh, you know, we run a you know, a podcast called Understanding Boys. We, um, you know, we have position papers available to the public um, more generally and, and, you know, we're sort of making more commentary um, on, uh, I think, um, you know, the issue around masculinity, which I know was what we're here to talk about today, uh, and partnering with other research institutions as well. And I suppose as these conversations become more front of mind for boys' schools, particularly around something like masculinity, to have a research-based approach is 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 really valuable and and critical. Um, and I, I'm looking forward to diving into some of your thinking around that later in this episode. But I want to start with maybe an obvious question, and maybe the answer is obvious, but I'd like to start there. Um, if you think about the current debates around things like toxic masculinity, why is it important in your mind and in your experience as you've grappled with this work for boys' schools to encourage boys to embody healthy expressions and identities of masculinity? I think, Bruce, um, 
uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give the headmaster sort of big picture answer, I guess, and Ray can jump in with a bit more detail perhaps. Um, I, I think it goes to the heart of what a boys' school should be about. Um, as I mentioned before, you know, Brighton Grammar, like a lot of the listeners' schools, we do great things with, you know, in our academic space, um, in our co-curricular space, we run fantastic music programs and drama programs and sport programs and all these wonderful things that boys really dive into and engage with. But I think if we're not if we're not addressing, um, you know, some some listeners will be familiar with a guy called Steve Bidoff, um, who's an Australian expert in some of this stuff. Um, and I'm pinching a phrase of his, but I think I think we want to develop young boys, young men um, with, that have heart and, and backbone. Um, and I think a lot of what we're going to talk about is probably addressing the heart aspect. Uh, but I think in in sending out young men into into a world which is which is changing and evolving, and and certainly a lot of the things that in that space are for the are for the good and for are for better. The world is different to what it, what what it was five years ago, ten years ago when when I went through school. That it it, it gets to the heart. You know, it doesn't matter how many how many trophies you win as a school or how good your academic results are, if you're not producing, again, boys with that heart and backbone um, mind, you know, piece, I think, then I don't think we're doing our job. And issues around respect and understanding and um, and diversity, all these sorts of things we think are really, really important to what what our school does. And I think a lot of listeners would be would be of the same mind. I guess um, what I'd, I'd jump in on there as well is just, you know, um, Bruce, you're talk, you talking about, you know, phrases like toxic masculinity, masculinity and so on. I guess in our thinking, um, you know, and certainly what the research is showing pretty clearly is that, you know, it's really about gender norms. So, you know, the messages that we receive, whether they're biologically or culturally determined about our gender. Um, and obviously as boys' schools, you know, what what's our role to play in that? You know, what, what you know, people often say, you know, well, life is co-educational. Why would you have single gender schools and the reality is yes life is is co-educational in some senses but uh actually our most uh, intimate and deeper sense of ourself is usually based on our gender and how we identify you know when i look at you i see a man um you know or you know we have this sense of of gender you know whatever our construction of that is um and i think it's really important that we look at well how do you embody you know healthy masculinity what is a healthy masculinity, what does that mean? Um, you know, and again, what the research shows us is that across the course of life, um, you know, if, if uh, folks that don't have healthy senses of who they are and they don't have a healthy identity around their gender, they have, you know, course of life outcomes that aren't, that aren't great, you know, and, and we know certainly in Australia that, you know, of, of suicides, you know, 75% of them are men. Um, we know that, uh, you know, that men and boys in particular uh, they're more likely to act out in, you know, with violence. They have a higher, um, uh, you know, substance abuse is higher amongst men, gambling and so on. Like these kinds of outcomes are actually very gender specific. Um, and so, you know, I think boys' schools have a real role to play, um, you know, in, in understanding gender and educating around gender, particularly, um, you know, around uh, healthy masculinities. And that's really what a big part of our work in this paper um, in positive masculinity has been about. So I'm, you know, I feel like boys' schools are at a watershed moment, and and maybe it's been over the last number of years, but particularly around these conversations about masculinity and expressions of masculinity. And I think 
in my experience, one of the challenges boys' schools face is, is with regards to outdated expressions of masculinity. And, you know, how are, how are you maybe facing those challenges? What are the challenges that boys' schools have with regard to those outdated expressions? Um, because I, I think there's a tension there, isn't there? There is. And I, I, for, again, from my perspective, from the sort of the, the headmaster's perspective, I guess, we need to challenge those traditional notions. And, it, it, you know, our, our context is Australia. Um, and I'm a history teacher. So, you know, the, the Australian, uh, you know, identity and these sorts of things is something I'm very interested in, have been interested in for a while. But but in Australia, there's there's some some particular notions of masculinity which I don't think are overly helpful. Um, we don't, you know, we don't want our boys to um, to think that, by asking for help is a sign of weakness or by showing their emotions is a sign of weakness or by, you know, gritting your teeth and soldiering on and, and, and going it alone. You know, some of these things aren't helpful. But on the flip side, you know, there's, there's quite a bit of subtlety and nuance to this because, but on the flip side, we want our boys to be resilient. Um, so there's, there's, there can be a bit of a tension there around, um, you know, not all, Tradition, not all traditional notions of masculinity are bad, because some of them are quite good. You know, again, it comes back to that bit off thing about backbone. We want, you know, we want, you know, being tough and grit. You know, grit's a really great characteristic. We want people to, to, you know, because life throws up all sorts of challenges, doesn't it? But some of those traditional things, particularly in Australia and our worldwide, that you know, we, we, and I think we're doing we're moving in the right direction as a society in, in breaking down some of those notions um, that crying is a sign of weakness, you know, these sorts of things. Uh, and uh, we we try and have we don't try we do we have conversations with our boys at school about this, um, and we use you know role modelling and these sorts of things um, is really important. You know, I don't necessarily go up and whenever I talk to the boys, burst into tears every time, but. I've cried in front, and I'm sure other heads, other senior staff at schools like ours would be the same. At, at the right time, you, sh- you show your emotion, um, and we, you know, we try and we 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 talk about some of these more, I guess, more feminine aspects of the masculine. We talk about them with the boys at the right time and in the right way. Um, so I think there's a number of things that 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 we can do, but um, and, and I think boys' schools have an absolutely key role to play in this. Um, because we're, at the, as I said at the start of this podcast, it, to me anyway, gets to the heart of what a good boys' school is about, and you can address it, you know, head on, and and as long as it's part of the schools um, on the schools, you know, in inverted commas agenda, um, then I think boys' schools absolutely have a, have a role to play um, in this, um, and boys' schools get a bad rap at times, um, and I think when it, when when this thing, when all of this stuff's done really well in a boys school it can be done really really well um but as we know when it's when it's not done well that's when you know some real trouble can can emerge ray you mentioned uh earlier this concept of healthy or positive masculinity and before i read your your article i you know i had this probably naive perception that it was easy to define what positive masculinity means and yet when i read you know what what came out in in the piece that that you both were part of authoring i realized it's not as it's not as easy as as one might think and and so how might those of us in boys education gain clarity on the definition of 
um, positive masculinity, particularly since um, there are many perspectives that shape what that term might mean to different people. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think that's what you just hit on there is exactly <laughs> the challenge. It was a very difficult um, piece to work on and, there were, you know, literally hundreds of hours, uh, you know, went into that and, and uh, you know, the people that we work with at, at Origin, the Centre for Youth Mental Health um, and the researchers there, you know, played a key role and we had a design thinking process and all sorts of uh, things around that. I think probably the simplest way to to, to understand it um, is firstly, if you go to someone like uh, Dr. Matt Engel Carlson, uh, who's based at the Centre for Men and Boys at Fullerton, and he probably around 15 years ago took a strength-based approach to counselling. And so he took things that were identified as kind of male traits, and then he looked at those and well, how do we see that as a you know as a, in a, in a strength-based way, not in a in a maladaptive way, so to speak. So something like stoicism, you know, when is that a good thing? You know, how do we use that as a way to to sort of unpack, you know, what's going on. So I think in its, in its broader sense, it's about taking a strength-based approach to how we, how we, how we enact our own sense of gender, if, I, if that makes sense. But then there's really a couple of parts to it. There's, um, there's knowing. So how do we know stuff? Like, how do we know about good ways to be? And, and in that, I think, you know, our boys' schools are full of rich stories, you know, and, and myths and history and dramas all about, you know, great ways to be. As a human being, um, and so there's the knowing piece, and then there's the being piece, um, and within that, you know, how do we how do we be? And when we talk about the being, um, there's really three key elements to being, and, and Ross has probably touched on on one of them already, which is a really important one, and that is that we are connected. And so when we talk about being connected, it's about relationships, it's about um, you know being connected to our feelings and our experience of ourselves. So that's the first thing is connected. The second is about being authentic and authenticity, you know, relates to, um, you know, really our, our being comfortable in our own skin, you know, and we talk about things about values. And again, a lot of this stuff, a lot of the schools are doing, but in terms of, I guess, making it more intentional and a bit more visible has been a, a really important part of our journey, at least. And the third area is just about being motivated. You know, this idea, it's a, it's a key driver in who we are and I think again when we think about the stories that we that we all know and love and that we often share with our our boys um this you know actually uh, being motivated in terms of being self-determined you know going out to do good things and do good works um is also a really important part of you know having an embodied masculinity that, that is positive so Russ I mean I'm fascinated to hear how this this framework that that Ray has outlined for us here um that's came from this research that that you've all been doing i'm fascinated to see how, how that lands in practice in a in a school context you know how do you how, how are you at bgs applying this framework so that boys encounter this concept of positive masculinity in a way that that sits i think you know in boys education we want things to sit with boys and and to stay with them as they leave our doors um how's that happening in your school yeah the way I'd sort of divide this up a little bit is is the implicit and the explicit. Uh, and in some ways, both are very important. And in some ways, the implicit can be more powerful than the explicit. So uh, the, the implicit things for me um, include the cultural things, um, the role modeling things. Uh, you know, I think what Ray said before about being, being very deliberate or overt with an approach to this um, is really important. 
as leaders in a school, um, you know, boys, we know that boys are receptive to role modeling. Um, as leaders in a school, we want to make sure that we are role modeling um, these behaviors, these these values that we're talking about. Um, so it's not, it's not, you know, old school yelling and you know these sorts of things. At times, you might need to raise your voice to a boy, but it's about how you how you talk to to an individual boy or how you talk to students in a smaller group. Um, it's about how you interact with with other members in the community. That boys will see you do that. Um, it's about being present. Um, I think, as I mentioned before, it's about not being afraid to show your emotions as a leader. You know, Ray spoke about authenticity, being an authentic person. Um, in front of the boys as well. Um, I'm very mindful of I'm, – I'm a fan of the drip on a rock theory, you know, that over time the, the drip will make a, a dent in the rock. Um, and the more you talk about these sorts of things um, with the boys across all year levels in the school, obviously age and stage appropriate, I think over time things will start to shift in the right direction. I'm very mindful as a leader of the school um, what I say – to the boys at things like our chapel services and assemblies when you're talking to to kids on mass um you know and i mentioned before the, the the more feminine aspect of the masculine i'm i'm very i often will talk about things like kindness um thing you know kindness is it's not a it's not a theme we've landed on this year but we are talking a lot about kindness as a school um this year i a number of years ago i spoke about i used a you know a, a, a tragedy where a loss of life occurred in a, in a school, um, not our school, fortunately, but a school up the road a number of years ago, and I used love as the theme, um, you know, qu- challenging the boys to think about, well, ha- what role does love play um, in, a, in an all-boys school? Um, so I think I think that you've got, like anything, you've got to be very deliberate and you've got to have it front of mind. So for me, the implicit, the cultural things – um, are really, really important because boys, as we know, boys are receptive. They will learn things by observing and by watching um, as well as obviously being instructed. Um, that's the implicit stuff. Maybe Ray can talk to the, the explicit stuff, which, which you know, complements and underpins and, 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 and sits very nicely with the implicit stuff. And, again, it comes back to at a high level, it comes back to being very deliberate and conscious of these sorts of things. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think what you're also referring to there was, is, you know, the, you know, the, the kids experience things in an environment, in a context, you know, so you need to be thinking about, well, what do you, when you come into a school, what are you looking at? You know, what do you, what are your rituals and processes? You know, like we do a lot of work in, you know, dialogic circles. So you get in the pastoral program, which a lot of schools would use, you know, sitting in circles and sharing, um, you know, as a process to enable, you know, that enables authenticity. As simple as that. Um, you know, when we uh, when we involve our parents, you know, we have you know a, a parent program, um, which again, you know, we we instruct around you know how to create a positive environment. What does that look like? How does that feel? And what are things you can can you be doing at home so that the the kids are experiencing that? And Ross is referring to you know what are the stories that I'm hearing? You know, and we all know so well how you know the impact or the power of a good story um, in in a young boy's life, just hearing something and knowing, well, that's, you know, I've got this, these choices that I can make and this is the, you know, the two wolves and this is the one I want to feed, you know, this is the one that I really want to grow into something powerful. Um, but sometimes, you know, society's changed and, um, you know, some of the things that maybe we thought, and this perhaps speaks to some of the, the more traditional aspects of what we do, but, you know, I think some, some of us, you know, always amazed by, you know, people don't have dinner as much together anymore as a family or 
you know, you're not getting that same value set. Um, so, so where do you experience it? And, you know, again, with our kids, we have a curriculum that really explores, you know, what, what, is, what is value? Like, what does it mean? What are your values actually? You know, and we actually in classes, you know, we made the decision a few years ago, all our health and PE teachers. So, you know, the external, you know, PE ball game stuff. Um, we trained all those, those folks in, um, you know, in, in the, in the health piece. So in the positive masculinity as well. So the same person that's teaching you about the rules of the game in a sporting game is teaching about the rules of the game in life. Um, so when you look at, a, a, you know, functional rules and what's your relationship to rules and the umpire and all that sort of stuff that we understand in, you know, if you want to play football where well, you got to, you know, so you know, you play rugby, you, that's, you got to, you know, the ref, that's, that's that's who calls it, and then in life, who's the ref? You know, and what's happened with our, you know, our sense and our connection to those things. So, so also saying the explicit is also really important, and sometimes um, it's actually about the right medicine. And I guess the final thing I'd say around it is that it, it's not like everybody always loves doing this sort of stuff. You know, it's not necessarily the coolest or the greatest or whatever, but it's meaningful and. Um, it's also what, what our kids need. You know, they really do need some of this stuff because they're not always getting, they're certainly not getting it from, um, you know, the public media and movies that they're seeing and those sorts of things. They may, hopefully, and, and a lot are getting it from, from home life, but not always. Um, and so they get it from school. And, you know, it, what a great thing it is to come from a good place, you know, to give someone that gift. You know, I went to Brian Grammar. That's where I went. I can always come back there. The thing I'd, I'd, Sort of underline. I didn't mention it, but Ray mentioned it. Is is the involvement of the community and particularly parents. Um, a lot of the things we're talking about here are, are, are values driven, or about you know values sort of underpin all this sort of stuff. Um, and schools play a, a really key role in informing those sorts of things in our in our boys. But we can't forget the role the parents and the family and the broader community play in that as well. Um, and Ray's mentioned a few of the things and. And you know, to come back to I guess to some of that explicit things, we're we're very mindful of of engaging parents in this, and we run a whole bunch of parent programs and parent support, and you know, parent position papers and all these sorts of things that come out of that Crowther Centre thing we spoke about at the start. Um, but that's that's a key. I mean, we talk here about the three cornered partnership: the school, the boy, and the parent. Um, that's a that's a really key part of you can't you can't do this stuff two two corners of the. Or two sides of the triangle. What's my metaphor here? I said I'm a history teacher, not a math teacher. You know, two, two two of the sides can't work. It can't be the school and the parent, or it can't be the school and the boy. All three have to be working together in order to affect the change that we want to come through. There are a number of things that really stand out for me as we talk about this, because I think depending on your context, this conversation in an all boys school about masculinity can be very daunting. And I think some people may step away from the conversation because it is daunting. But what I love about what I've heard from both of you about your approach is that, you know, there's an intentionality and a, a depth of thought about this. Before diving into work, there's been real intentional thoughts about it. And also, as you said, Ross, you used the, the, the drip on the rock analogy where, you know, the, this isn't a, this isn't a quick fix, is it? It's a, it's a, it's really a journey with boys. Um, and and then the other thing that I think is really crucial that what I've heard is this connection with parents because I suppose you don't want your messaging at school to be odds with at odds with where parents are at you you, you want everyone sitting around the same table and understanding what it means to raise 
good men in 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 your context or in in any other boys' school? Yeah, I, I, don't, I completely agree. Uh, and a, a point of context, I think that's important is this is my this is my eighth year as headmaster, and Ray's been with me that whole time. And this this the position we're in now hasn't happened overnight. Um, because you need to, and I'm sure the you know, people listening to this podcast will be aware, you need to make sure that the, you know, to use another metaphor, I guess the grounds are fertile to sow some of these seeds. Um, and you know, you can't you can't just jump in with some of it because it'll 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 fall on deaf ears. You know, um, again, to use another metaphor, I'm mixing things up here a little bit, but you know, these things take time, and like any any significant. Um, you know, program or project schools like ours undertake, um, they, they take time to, to build and to do it properly. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's the right thing to do. And again, you hit the nail on the head. It's a, it's a, it's a parent thing as well, the community aspect. So I'm wondering, you, you both have shared some incredible advice as we've spoken through, uh, this topic, but I'm wondering if there's, if there's one lost, sort of nuggets for those who are wanting to intentionally engage their students in work focused on positive masculinity that has come out of your research and your experience doing this work over the last eight years? Yeah, probably a couple of things from me, no particular order. I, I think the boys want this. I think I'm, 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 I try and not sit on my desk too much, so I try and get out into the playground and into the ovals and the grounds where the boys are. And have these little smaller, incidental, but again deliberate conversations. And I think the boys want that they're, they're reaching out for this. They need help. They need guidance. They need understanding. They need that development. So, any listener that thinks oh, I wouldn't shy away from it at all, I think, I think, as I said at the start, I think it's incumbent on boys' schools to do this sort of thing. But I think the boys, the boys are really receptive to it. Um, the second thing I'd say, you know, is 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 partnerships, and Ray might talk to this a little bit further. But um, you know, there's, there's, we've formed, we're very fortunate to have formed some fantastic partnerships again through our Crowther Centre, um, and we're looking for. This is not an advertorial, but we're looking for other schools around the world that that are interested in our work and and want to want to join up with us and do do some of these sorts of things together. Um, because you know, pre COVID, when we were travelling to conferences and going to you know going to America and Europe and you know all these great places for the IBSC work. You completely different context, but we're all sharing the same things and the same challenges and the same issues. Um, so uh, you know, I think I think again, I think uh, you know, good schools. We're all got good schools. I think we share our practice um, and we share it. We share some of these things that we do because it's it's for the betterment of of the world in which we live. So you know, if anyone's listening to this podcast and wants to reach out. Absolutely, reach out. We'd love to hear from you. I guess um, uh, for me, you know, we've talked about the, you know, what we do as teachers. We talked about, um, you know, the parents probably haven't spoken enough about students and the voice. And I, I think and their voices. And um, one, look, you know, we've been doing it for eight years, and we've we've made a few blunders along the way. But something that I think that we did get right was uh, we worked with a guy called James Kerr, who some of the listeners might know, wrote a book called um, Legacy. And uh, he's, uh, he's working legacy uh, with, I think we're the only school that he's worked with in terms of using that framework in a school. And that was a, an immediate um, change around uh, positive values, uh, you know, enacted 
in a school environment. Um, it was quite, quite, um, quite a huge change. And it really what a lot of it came down to was, um, the student voice. And as Ross was saying, you know, the, the kids, they, they want it, you know, they want to know that the good guys win. Um, you know, to use a, a story example, you know, that, that's really what it comes down to. Being a good person, having good values, standing in, in a good faith will, will actually set you on the, on the right course for your life. And, and that's a great thing to know and to have that affirmed that you come, you know, that you come from a good place, as I said earlier. You know, I'm aware of the fact that we could probably talk about this for for ages because there's so much to go into and so much to dive into. And I know so many of our schools are are invested in and are doing this work already. But it's just been wonderful to hear your perspective and your understanding of this and the thoughts that you've put into this and the, and the practicalities of how this work lands in a boys' school space. So I want to thank both of you for your time, for for joining us. I'll certainly uh, make your contact details available, Ross, so that people can reach out to you if they want to partner on some of this work. Um, and and I'm sure you're going to be getting lots of questions. So thank you so much, both of you, for your insights and your perspective. Thank you, Bruce, for your time. And uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're more than happy to share. Uh, as Ray said, we, we're not we're not doing it perfectly well and we, we make some blues along the way, but more absolutely love to hear from anyone. But thanks for your time, Bruce. Thank you. As we consider and think about what Ross and Ray have shared in this episode, I'd like to point listeners to Brighton Grammar School's Crowther Centre, where you can access resources related to this conversation. Head to crowthercentre.org.au to access these and to contact Dr. Ray Swan. Ray also hosts a great podcast called the Understanding Boys Podcast, which is available wherever you get your podcasts. Lastly, Thank you again for your support of Exploring Boys Education and our other programs at IBSC. Until our next episode, keep safe and keep well.